welcome to Answers News for August the 16th, 2021. I am here with Ken Ham. I'm Georgia Fertum, and this is Roger Patterson, Hello. and we're your panel for today. And we have a wonderful studio audience with us, so let's, let's hear it again. Make yourselves known. There we go. Okay, so we always start out with uh, some announcements. Uh-oh, you like, didn't turn your volume Somebody down. forgot to turn oh, this one yeah. off. Uh, well, anyway, <laughs> it's down now. So, uh, um, so I'm trying to find it on here. Some announcements to start with. We're right in the midst, actually, right now, of our 40 days and 40 nights of gospel music, the biggest gospel music festival in the world, because it goes for 40 days and 40 nights. We have 100 different artists and groups, many award-winning. Uh, these are incredible people. There's a different range of music, you know, variety of mm -hmm. music. There's some bluegrass, country, a lot of southern gospel, gospel. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, a little bit of folk style, and yeah. uh, a little bit of light contemporary from some of them. But it's, it's, it's uh, for everyone, really. And just show you some pictures that we have here. So it goes until September 10. Mm -hmm. There's two concerts a day at the Ark in our Answer Center Auditorium, and one at 10 o'clock, and then one at 5 o'clock, except for Sundays when there's only one, because we're only open in the afternoon on Sundays, one at 3 o'clock actually on Sundays. And we have a guest speaker as well that gives a short message and gospel presentation. And we've seen quite a lot of people just in the last two weeks who've committed their lives to the Lord uh, as a result of these programs. And so we've had uh, various groups there, see all those musical instruments those guys are playing. And we've had some incredible uh, groups, uh, had Karen Preck and New River just recently too, and Triumphant, and Legacy Five, and mm -hmm. oh, lots of, of different groups. So it's been really good. And I encourage people, hey, you know, you know what many are doing? They, they're getting the annual combo pass, mm -hmm. which gives you unlimited visits to the Creation Museum, to the Ark, includes parking. Then you can come back all year long for all the other programs. And you may as well just move to northern Kentucky and be done with it. That's, that's like two dollars a concert if you, yeah. if you average that all out. So, so yeah. Anyway, yeah. so the first item we always usually have a fluff item. To this start is with, our fluff we? item. All right. So, title: Did archaeologists find the Trojan horse? Or I could ask the next the next question: Should you trust what you read in the news all the time? <laughs> so. I'm sure there are atheists out there right now salivating, thinking we're going to say, wow, look at this, they found this. No. And this is another bit of, quote-unquote, fake news, all right? You have to be careful because this was posted in the Jerusalem Post, which is a legitimate news source, okay? So even they can make mistakes. They've since retracted the article, so you can't find it on their website anymore, but... Basically, the storyline was that these Turkish archaeologists had discovered, you know, they were excavating the city of Troy, and they had found remnants of the Trojan horse, which is, again, only we see it in um, uh, certain myths and certain things surrounding, you know, writings of that period of time, but no one knows for sure if the Trojan horse was actually a real thing or not. And this article doesn't go any further to basically tell us or help us know that either. But it's just, again, a, a warning that we need to really watch for fake news. Yeah, just because you see something on Facebook or you see something in news media, you can't necessarily trust it all, and you need to check very carefully. Actually, one of the things I think people are realizing more and more, I mean, how do we know what to believe about a lot of things that are going on? And, you know, like, and we're, we're not going to get into talking about it, but like the whole COVID situation, there's so much information out there that 
people are giving this information or that. I mean, how do you know what to believe anymore? There's, I, I mean, but you have to, to check things out. Like this, like the in an article that debunked this article, they said, well, like these the archaeologists, they went and looked for who these archaeologists were to see, okay, who are these people, and they don't exist. <laughs> So it was pretty easy to figure out, hmm, something isn't right but, with this article. But, you know, with all the misinformation and, you know, and controversial stuff and all that's going on, we've got to remember one thing. Mm -hmm. There is one book we can totally trust. Yeah. That's right. Does anyone want to have a guess what that book is? <laughs> God's <laughs> Word. That's right. The yeah, Bible. When we think about all these um, accounts and, and legends and uh, these histories, supposedly, of these different peoples throughout history, uh, much of it gets embellished, and, and we can see those things happening. But we know that when we look at Scripture, that's God's Word. It's God-breathed. And we can look at those things and understand they're the true accounts of history. And as we have tried to analyze those things, uh, we never would look for an archaeological find of, say, an inscription of David's name or right. of Herod's name, things that we've found in the past, and say, oh, we'll see this proves the Bible's true. We would have to do that for this type of secular history. We could say, oh, this demonstrates that this is a likely event. But we know those things are true from the Bible right from the very beginning. Yeah, yeah I think um, you, we, we've got to understand just, just because you find some evidence anyway doesn't necessarily mean someone's going to be convinced. I remember once mm -hmm. an atheist saying to me, I don't care if you find a big ship on the top of Mount Ararat and drag it down the main street. I'm not going to believe in Noah's Ark and believe the Bible. So yeah. we've got to remember, if, you know, if they don't believe what Moses and the prophets wrote, mm -hmm. neither will they be persuaded one rose from the dead. Isn't that what it says yeah. in Luke? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's a, it's a heart change that right. comes through the proclamation of the gospel, the recognition of who Jesus is and what he's done that's going to bring that, that you, change of you, mind about. You probably don't even believe in aliens either. Well, no. Well, I don't. Okay. All right. All right. Teachers Union sues school board, mother to block release of critical race gender theory records. So this happened in Rhode Island, and a mom who has a kindergarten child in the school system said, I want to know what you're teaching about CRT and gender because of some of the questions that she knows her five-year-old had been asked. And so she filed a um, ARPA request, which is Access to Public Records Act. So as a member of the public, she has a right to know what the public school is teaching. And so she filed these 160 different requests um, for this information. And so now the NEA of Rhode Island is suing her and the school to not release that curriculum so that she can see it. And there was even, look, the um, committee was even looking into whether they should sue her for filing all these requests. And to me, that just raises this huge flag. Why are these uh, officials stonewalling when this parent just wants to know what's going to be in the curriculum in the school district when it comes to things like critical race theory and gender and how those pieces fit together? Uh, she was asking specifically about uh, the idea that teachers don't refer to students as boys and girls, well then what are they referring to them as and where are they getting that information? So this lady is sending her kids to the school system and the idea would be that schools are there to partner with the parents to help educate in these areas, but here the district obviously has a different agenda. You know, it's interesting, um, I've um, been speaking to some others, you know, as I've done some interviews lately too, but homeschooling has just absolutely mm. taken off in America in a oh, massive yeah. way uh, because of what's been going on. 
And not only that, there's also enrollments are up at many Christian schools as well. And more and more parents are realizing, you know, I think even before all this happened, I think a lot of parents weren't ever checking what the kids are being taught at school and they were being indoctrinated and brainwashed in all sorts of things and nobody was really checking right. it out. I think this has brought an awareness to people uh, to check out. And you, you know, you can, you know why the NEA is, is so upset? Oh, I mean, yeah. think about it this way. You know what Hitler once said? He alone who owns the youth gains the future. And they know that, you know, and that's what the devil wants, for them to capture the coming generations and they capture the culture. And actually they've been pretty successful yeah. if you look at what's happened with Generation Z. They've captured much of them and that has resulted in capturing the, the culture. It's interesting that an atheist in 2014 in Australia said this, change is only, uh, is always one generation away, so if we can plant the seeds of doubt in our children, religion, that, when they say religion, they mean Christianity, will go away in a generation or at least largely go away and that's what I think we have an obligation to do. And that's what these atheists have done. They've tried to grab those generations in the public schools, secular schools. You know, when they threw God, Bible, prayer, creation out, they didn't throw out religion. They threw out the veneer of Christianity that was in there, sort of, you know, in, in a sense, stopping them from going whole hock towards right. a secular direction. Now that's gone. Now we're seeing what secular really is. And, then, and you're not, if it's not for Christ, it is what? Against, against it. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, at one time, schools were partnering with parents to educate children. Now, it's like, no, we want your children. Let us do whatever we want. Um, it's not to say there aren't Christians in the public school system, because there are, and they're working really, really hard to try to, you know, be able to, to do good things. But the vast majority is not that way. And so if... Like we said, if the school isn't going to partner with you in educating your child and you knowing what's going on, then they don't have a right. They should not have a right to educate your child. You need to find other means to be able to do that. Well, it used to be you would, you would tend to think of education in schools as learning math and learning uh, you know, to write mm -hmm. and learning to read. And even though you know, there was evolutionary agendas and all the right. rest of it, but now, a lot of secular education has become a social agenda oh, in yeah. regard to pushing well, LGBT and the transgender stuff and critical race theory. And yeah. uh, I mean, that's what it's become. Mm -hmm. yeah. As you wrote years ago, it's like the secular temple where they're training mm -hmm. up kids mm -hmm. and, and uh, indoctrinating into those false ways. They are. They're churches of secular humanism. That's what they are. Yeah. All right, the Siberian Simba, a perfectly preserved cave lion cub found frozen in Siberia, is confirmed to be a female that died 28,000 years ago. All right, so this is a pretty cool find, and every so once in a while you hear about things like this, but this cave lion cub is very much perfectly preserved. And we're talking whiskers, fur, um, the, whole, the whole nine well, look, yards. It looks like it's just asleep here. Yeah, it's pretty cool, actually. And so they have actually found another cub uh, very about 50 feet away from this cub that they think is older. It's 43,000 years old, not 28,000 like this cub. Um, but it's been preserved in the permafrost, and they are getting these dates, which, by the way, we don't agree with, but um, through carbon-14 dating. And so that's how they're figuring out how old they are. Well, it's interesting, you know, that they found these two cubs 49 feet apart, and they're both perfectly preserved, mm -hmm. and this one's probably the most perfectly preserved from what they're saying. Right. They thought they were siblings till they dated them. And once they dated them using carbon dating, then they realized not siblings. You know, carbon dating, like any dating method, mm -hmm. has assumptions, they're not ac accurate, you can't trust their, 
dates as absolute or anything. I suspect they are siblings. They're so I, close together. I suspect. Yeah, and we don't know exactly which layers they were buried in, if they were able to determine if they're buried in the same layer, if there was some separation there. But then even we could see if uh, we think about some of the dust storms and things that happened around the Ice Age and, and those periods, one cub could have died in one storm and then been buried in a lower layer and the next in a higher layer that was just the next storm. So there are lots of ways to try and understand this and explain it from a biblical perspective without having to buy into the old ages ideas of tens of thousands or millions of years. And this is a good example of post-flood catastrophism, mm -hmm. right? So we would say that most of your fossils, you know, when we're wording it, we don't say all your fossils you find in the earth are from the flood. We would say most of them are because there's been some post-flood catastrophism in various ways that have buried some creatures in sediment and so on, or the Ice Age. The Ice Age was a catastrophic event right. too, and so there's a lot of Ice Age animals that were, that were preserved, but they're post-flood. Yeah, and yeah, the cave art that we have these cave lions preserved in is another example of how we can date these things relative to the flood. If those cave drawings would have been drawn before the flood, they would have been obliterated. So the fact that we have them today tells us that this is a post-Babel, post-flood event. Yeah, um, the cave art drawn by cavemen. You know what cavemen are, don't you? Men. Men that live in caves. Lived in caves, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and That's these, my definition of cavemen. In, and case, cave in case you wanted one. And the cave lions are just a variation within the cat kind. So we know that all cats form one kind, basically one reproductive unit. And we can show that they can mate with one another and produce offspring. And yet, you know, even within this article, they said, well, they want to sequence the DNA of this cub because they think since it's so well preserved, there's a good chance that the DNA may be intact enough to be able to sequence it. And they said that will reveal the evolutionary history of this creature. No, it won't. Okay. It'll reveal that's, its genetic sequence. Yeah, that's just an interpretation yeah. you're putting on the sequence. What it's going to do is it's going to show us very clearly this is a member of the cat kind. And we can maybe see how it's different than some of the cats that we have today, but that's all it's going to show us. It doesn't show us their evolutionary So history. in other words, you're predicting, mm -hmm. right? I'm going to hold you to this. Okay. You're predicting that if they're able to analyze the DNA of this lion cub, mm -hmm. that it'll prove that it's belongs to the cat kind. Yeah, and absolutely. It's a cat. Yeah. That's what you're predicting. Bold, yeah. bold okay. prediction. <laughs> All right, we'll see if you're right or not. Yeah, I think I'm right on that. Okay. You can't pray the gay away. Threats of violence made protests made. Protests held over beliefs of new church in Kelowna. Kelowna. I'm probably not pronounced. See, I don't have I don't have Avery here, who's our Canadian. Yes, we needed Avery. So. This. so this is in British Columbia, and basically a church. <laughs> heaven forbid, post on its website that it is, um, they believe divorce, adultery, and homosexuality constitute a violation of God's intention for marriage and sexuality as laid out in the Holy Bible. We do not condone same-sex marriage or homosexual lifestyles. Because, you know, in other heaven words, forbid you say what the Bible yeah, says. That's what I wrote here. They said, here's what the Bible says, and they posted it. And for that, this church has received a lot of threats from the community and protests. And there are a lot of misnomers in the way that the, the protesters are describing what the church believes, and the church has tried to respond to some of those things. But the, the basic idea of you can't pray the gay away, well, that's, that's a very simplistic and trite way to think about what Christian conversion is. It's taking out that heart of stone and receiving that heart of flesh. We have 
new desires and new attitudes that take us away from sin. We're free from that slavery to sin, as Paul tells us. All of these different ideas, it's not some little magic mantra that we chant to pray the gay away. It's trusting that we can be conformed more and more into the image of Christ as we turn to him and trust in him. The Holy Spirit's working in us. We're around other believers. God's word is being taught to us and preached to us. All of those things bring about that transformation of lifestyle. And, you know, the church has received threats of violence. And, of course, they're accused of hate speech. But what happens where today when you say, here's what the Bible says is sin, then you're accused of hate speech. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting. Uh, the church hasn't in any way shown any evidence of hating anyone. Or violence. The, the ones who have shown evidence of hating someone are the ones who accuse them of hate speech yeah. and threatening them with violence, and they're the ones that have shown hate. And this is what you see all the time. You know, it's that clash of worldviews. And uh, you see, again, this intolerance mm-hmm. of those who reject Christianity. And I find it over and over again where they're saying, but, you know, you people need to be tolerant. What they mean by tolerant is accept their view. But they don't accept the worldview based on the Bible. And they say, because you've got that worldview, that's hate speech. But wait a minute, they're not allowing all views. They're not allowing the biblical view that says you're wrong. And not so only do they crash. want you to accept, they want you to promote and celebrate and, celebrate and, tolerance it and all is, of those things. You're tolerating something that you don't agree with. They don't want you to tolerate. That would be saying, I disagree with this, right? They want you, like he said, to accept it, promote it, celebrate it, and they're not happy that this church isn't doing that. You know, you know it's interesting. Uh, these people involved in the LGBT movement and so on, they want to force you to accept their view uh, and to reject the Christian view. But notice something when you come here to the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. We're not hitting you in the head and trying to force you to believe anything. We're presenting what the Bible says. We're giving you answers. We, we can't go out and force someone to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. We can't do that. And, and we don't try to do that. We want to present God's Word because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And we want to give answers for what we believe to show we can defend our faith. But the LGBT movement, you know, like the one you see in this article here, no, they want to try to force you to accept them. Uh, ex- not accept them, but accept their worldview. Right, right. And this next article goes along with it. Be prepared for persecution. American evangelist warns following arrest for preaching against homosexuality in London. All right, so this was um, an American evangelist who was in London, and he was preaching the gospel. And so it was part of a longer sermon that he was giving, about 30 minutes, um, preaching the gospel, in which he talked a little bit about homosexuality and transgenderism. And um, they believe that a young woman um, who was a homosexual called the cops on him, and he was arrested for violating Section 4A of the Public Order Act. Right? So if you're going to go to London now and say homosexuality is wrong in a public venue, you could be arrested for that. Well, he actually uh, says that he said homosexuality is a sin and it's destructive and talked about the transgender agenda uh, and the damage it's doing to children in schools right now. The whole message he gave us, he covered a whole heap of topics. It's only 30, 30 minutes long. Right. And, uh, but it's interesting. The law states... A person is guilty of an offense if, with intent to cause a person harassment, alarm, or distress, uses threatening, abusive, nor assaulting words, behavior, or disorderly behavior, displays any writing, sign, or other visible representation which is threatening, abusive, or insulting. 
And you know, if you think about it, there's politicians in America and other countries like Australia and Canada and so on that have either had legislation like this passed uh, uh, or are trying to pass such legislation. And one of the things they say, oh no, this is not against Christians, but look what happened here. It's being used against Christians. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we say when you see this sort of thing all the time, you, of course it's going to be used against Christians. Yeah, and this is not the first time we've seen this uh, Public Order Act being used against a Christian who's proclaiming these messages. Uh, we have lots of great legal teams who are working on this, so that's being done in the UK. But Ken, this kind of concerns me for you a little bit, because if you ever traveled to the UK, I'm pretty sure you would harass somebody with abusive or insulting <laughs> words, and you could get arrested for that. So do you have any plans to head there anytime soon? Uh, no, I'm, <laughs> it's gonna happen in America one of these days anyway, <laughs> yeah. the way That's things true. are going. That's and we gotta remember true. something, you know what the Bible says, Roger? The Bible says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Yeah. You know what? We are really seeing the secular world for what it is, raising its ugly head. It's sort of been kept in check, I believe, by the veneer of Christianity that was in our culture, you know, the Jedi Christian ethic that sort of permeated the culture. And I also believe the restraining influence of the Holy Spirit. I think when you read Romans 1, as God says, when he judges a, a, a people, culture, he turns them over to their depraved hearts. I think he is doing that with the West. I see yeah. that. Yeah, this is a verse that comes to my mind all the time as I see these things happening and one that might be good for you to memorize and go study this passage and think about what it's teaching us with what we're facing in this culture. Well, you know, we've had such freedom in the West in the past in regard to Christianity and freedom in America. You know, you read Fox's Book of Martyrs and, you know, some of the things that have happened in the past, people being burned at the stake, thrown to the lions, killed because of their faith, and you never think it could happen here. Now you can see how that can happen right here. And the younger generation, my wife often says, we have 18 grandchildren, she says, they're going to grow up in a whole different culture to us, much more antagonistic and aggressive uh, in regard to being against Christianity. And, and so and we, need we have to, to prepare to train them. them. I mean, you have to train them and prepare them, and not just, I mean, in God's Word, which we need to be doing, we need to be memorizing it, because I don't know how much longer we're going to have copies of it kind of thing, but also just in reading those stories about people of the past and how they've suffered and how we need to be preparing ourselves. Um, one of the things we were talking about, the women's conference coming up in a couple of years, and actually talking about we need to develop a theology of suffering, right? We like things convenient. We like things the way that they are, and we don't want things disrupted, but we're going to have to we're going to have to start preparing ourselves now for what's coming down the road, um, and because we are going to suffer and hey, we're hey, by the suffer way, well. Um, what's the topic of the women's conference this next year? Next year, um, we're talking about being rooted. Okay, so the importance of standing firm in a twisted world, and so we're going to talk about ways that how do we practically live out our faith in a world that's coming up against it. And so that's going to be a tremendous conference uh, next March slash April. We've already got well over a thousand registrations. Uh, not a thousand, but over 700, I think. I over it was seven. up to a thousand. Oh, anyway. Well, it might be. <laughs> I checked recently, but we have a lot of people registered. So if you're interested, go to answersforwomen.org for more information on that. And I should mention too, we have a great new resource that just came out called the Gender and Marriage War. And in it, um, we talk a lot about these issues of 
uh, transgender, homosexuality, uh, just a tremendous resource. And it's in a very, uh, it's got a lot of pictures in it um, and just very easy to understand, short chapters, just lots of good nuggets of information in there um, and how we can, how do we deal with this in the culture that we live in today? That's a very unique book. Uh, we cover a lot of topics in there that there would be many not game to even cover and publish mm -hmm. in a book. But a lot of our, number of our researchers, writers got together and yeah. we've covered just about everything. You read the index in that book, it just, we covered just, just about everything. Hey, you know, I saw an interesting comment here. Uh -huh. Three words, blessings from Germany. And you know why that's interesting? Mm -hmm. We can reach into Germany yeah. and they can hear what we're doing. But Germany is really shut down oh, right now. We, yeah. In fact, we had uh, some missionaries who are in Germany mm -hmm. who came through Ghana to get here. We are at the Ark wow. uh, last week, and they were telling us how difficult it is in Germany and how, how difficult it was to, to be able to get here, wow. and then they're going to go back. And they were telling us all the steps they have to take to go back. And I mean, Australia is pretty well shut down I too. I know. You know. It really is so. crazy. All right, the extinct species within. Okay, so what this is, this article does is it talks about how, okay, of all the species of different animals that we have today, how they're, they're finding DNA in these animals that they're like not really sure where it comes from. And it's probably coming from species of that same kind in the past that, you know, bred with those animals and so now we have remnants of them today. But basically, it's, it's an article that, that says that um, animals within the same kind mate with one another and produce offspring. Well, yeah, that's, that's shocking to no, us from a it, biblical perspective. It's incredible, because as you read the article, they talk about it looks like dogs all share some DNA, and so dogs bred with dogs. Then it goes on to bears, cozied up to cave bears. In other words, all the different bears share DNA, so bears bred with bears. Then they say pigs. They've even found it with pigs. Yeah. That you know, domesticated them. pigs and wild pigs and so on share DNA. So it looks like all pigs um, are, are, are able to mate with pigs. And then it goes on and talks about mice and how these mice mixed with other mice and they find DNA, mouse DNA in other species of mouse. It's amazing. And then killerfish, killerfish, Killifish. 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 They found Atlantic killifish and Gulf killifish share DNA. So killifish breed with killifish. This it's incredible. And then they keep going. Then cattle in China were bred with cattle from Southeast Asia, and they found they share DNA. Cattle breed with cattle. I mean, this is an incredible article. Uh, chimps. They've even found chimps breed with chimps. No, that's they found that impressive. chimps share DNA. I mean, you read the article. I, I was amazed. I was and the idea that they're trying to explain here is this idea, you've got an illustration of it there, Ken, of this um, ghost population. It's some population that we don't know from any type of fossil records or any other type of records, but we see the traces of this DNA. And looking at this diagram, you can see how from an evolutionary perspective, they would say, oh, these things branched off at different time periods, and this is called a cladogram, and you work back in time and more distant uh, connections represent that evolutionary time. But from a biblical perspective, again, we're just seeing the relatedness of these different kinds. But here you can see the solid lines represent what we can think of as real, actual uh, data that we can observe and, and er interpret pretty soundly. And then if you go down there, you notice that little dotted line. 
that's where we get into the imagination because we don't know those things. These are the interpretations that are going to come about uh, with that evolutionary assumption. Later and here's the there. interesting thing. All through the article, they talk about these trees that they draw, and they call them evolutionary trees. But the, they're just branches yeah. of the ape tree, and then branches of the pig tree, yeah. and then branches of the and, killifish tree, and so yeah. it goes on. And one of the things that they're trying to talk about in this paper is, see, most, most scientists would say if two members, if, if these organisms are different species within the same kind, the idea is that they can't then mate with one another and produce offspring. Mm, not really. <laughs> what we're finding is, like he was saying, that a lot of times these species, even though they're technically different species, which is kind of an arbitrary term and a man-made term, they can mate and produce offspring, and that's to the benefit of the organism. So um, what we're finding, we call that hybridization, so when two different species mate. So we have some good examples of that down at the Ark Encounter Zoo, where we have the zonkey and the zorse, all right? So you have a, a, a zebra and a horse mate and produce offspring, zebra and a donkey mate, and they can do that, and what that does is it actually, they think, helps, the, um, helps that particular kind to continue because they get more genetic diversity, they tend to get, um, they can have, be more vigorous um, a lot of times, and so that that's to the advantage, that's where all these ghost lineages come in, that they bred with these different species of the same kind and produce these organisms that are better off as a result of that. Yeah. And, you know, an another aspect of that is, if you think about it from a biblical perspective, Noah's Ark landed 4,300 years ago, approximately, two of each kind, seven pairs of some, but two of each kind got off the ark. So the dog kind, two dogs came off the ark. And then what we're saying is that you get all these different species of dogs, coyote, coyotes, wolves, dingoes, etc. all these species forming fairly quickly. And evolutionists say there's no way. That takes a long time for speciation to occur. Well, it's interesting. What they're talking about here is they look at all this, they make this statement, for instance. This could be a way for a population or a species to quickly adapt in other words, it can happen quickly because all that DNA, the genetic variability, is already there, which is what we've been saying all along. In other words, this whole article, they use the word evolution all the way through, and all it's doing is confirming what the Bible says. God made kinds, you can have great variation within a kind, and within a kind, you have all this mixing of DNA. And yep. Yep. Shocking. 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 I mean, no. Further confirmation, again, of what God's Word says. Hey, ignore Roe, billboard in Texas, removed after one day because of death threats. And so what this is, this is actually in Texas, which you might kind of find surprising because um, it's typically considered a conservative state. But what they are asking, this group of Christians um, from Abolish Abortion Texas is asking Christians to basically ignore Roe v. Wade in the sense that the federal government doesn't have a right to legislate abortion. Um, that shouldn't be a that the federal government is involved in, and um, because Texas is has a what they call a trigger bill, that if the Supreme Court would overturn Roe v. Wade, um, then that would also end abortion in Texas. And so that's kind of the basis of this. But yeah, heaven forbid they put up a billboard about it, because then the owners get death threats. Yeah, and a, a billboard even this innocuous, there's nothing graphic or anything on here that would seem to trigger any anybody, but that in fact did, and the landowner who has a business on the property where the sign is uh, rented through this, this uh, sign company uh, had death threats and threats against his property and all of these things happening. So again, it's back to that idea of the tolerance, the side that calls themselves pro-choice, 
really doesn't want you to have a choice. Yeah. No, and, and you know, they got up here 62 million dead. They're saying, you know, how many children being killed by abortion. Right. But here's the interesting thing. That had to be taken down in 24 hours because they threatened the landowner um, with death threats, with death. right? Yeah. But do you realize, that, and this is just a tiny, tiny selection. So the abortionists, pro-abortion, have been putting up these sorts of billboards all over the place. Uh, and of course, you know, they, they expect that you will put up with these. Right, and not just those who are pro-abortion. The atheists have been putting up all sorts of billboards over time, uh, mocking God, and yet this one goes up. In 24 hours, they get death threat. It just shows you again who is intolerant, who are the ones that really hate, right? And uh, unfortunately, uh, the the secularists have really taken over the culture in many ways, and so now the ones they're the ones that bully and intimidate. They've been doing that for a long time. Yeah. All right, we're going to finish with this last one because I want to be able to do it. 1,000-year-old remains may be of a highly respected non-binary warrior study finds. Okay. So this is remains of an individual that's supposedly 1,000 years old, and um, the individual had some what they described as more feminine items around them, but then when they checked their DNA of the individual, it came back as being um, XXY, which is Kleinfelder syndrome. Um, and so they said, well, because the individual was male, but you had feminine stuff around them, obviously non-binary people were accepted and loved and praised no, even a wait, thousand years Wait a minute, ago. wait a minute. It sounds to me like they're trying to impose modern ideas on yeah. this culture in the past, rather than letting that culture exist in its own context and trying to yeah. explore and understand it. Well, he's wearing a dress. Obviously, it was non-binary, right? <laughs> um, well, tell that to the Scots. Yeah. <laughs> they, they'll, they'll People back then dressed differently, right? Yeah. 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 We go to Scotland and we find men wearing dresses. They're not dresses. But he so had the Y chromosome. Kilts. But, yeah. So, so he's he, male. He did male. have a genetic, may have had a genetic disorder. But those individuals that have XXY are still fully male individuals because they have a Y chromosome. And Studies have shown, too, that individuals even that have those sex chromosome abnormalities, less than 1% struggle with any kind of gender dysphoria or the even struggling with this whole transgender well, idea. Well, they even mentioned the fact that there was jewelry in there, so obviously it was non-binary. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, there's a lot of guys today wear a lot of jewelry, have you noticed? <laughs> well, again, it's this whole idea that they want it to be so accepted and so, they want it to be normal, right? Hey, look, a thousand years ago this was happening. Why couldn't it be normal today? And so it's just another way to try to normalize that. So, again, go to our website. We've got great tools and resources like our new book on gender and marriage to be able to really combat this effectively in the culture that we live in today. All right, well, we're out of time, so we'll see you back on Wednesday.